Welcome to Empirical Peapod. I'm your host, Tim Day. Thank you so much for being here with me. I don't want to futz about, so let's get into today's show. Did you say that a mouse? I said maybe. There's three mice traps in there because I had mice issues before, and then I didn't have any for a while, and then something got eaten in my food, and I told my landlord, I was like, I think the mice are back. But I checked the traps when I got here, and they were empty. So. Oof. It wouldn't be dead. They're like live tracks. Sure, but still. All right, anyway. Do you want me to look and see if we caught a mouse? <laughs> no, no, no. We've got business to attend to. <laughs> uh, welcome to the podcast. I'm talking to one of my close friends, Dr. Melissa Jurgens, which is, of course, not your name. <laughs> what is your actual name? Mahon. That's not a thing. <laughs> I love your husband, but come on. Uh, anyways, thank you for being on here. I appreciate you taking the time. Well, thank you for having me. It's such an honor. Uh, I don't know about that. Well, at least we'll see what you think in an hour. <laughs> uh, I want to jump right into it. Uh, you're part of the overall arching group that comes from Oswego. That's, That's true. where we all started. Where did you end up from Oswego? What was your next step after high school? Well, after high school, I went to college. Um, I went out to the University of Arizona for a bit. I forgot that. In my head, you went straight to Texas. No, that's not how that But you actually goes. went to, quote unquote, party it up yep. in Arizona. Something like that. How was Arizona? Arizona was beautiful. It was fantastic. Really? Yeah, I actually really loved Arizona. I just had other things going on in my life at the time that led me away from there. Yeah. So I ended up in Texas after that. Now, your family was in Texas. My family was in Texas. So they left here, and by here, of course, I mean uh, Illinois. Yep. Were you, uh, is that after you graduated high school? Yeah, they moved pretty much like the minute I graduated high school. So yeah. I actually like couch surfed that whole summer because uh, they were already gone. I see. So what brought you, did just the family bring you to Texas? Because like, you didn't finish, did you do all four years in Arizona? No, so I was only in Arizona for a year, and then I actually graduated college in three years. So I went to Texas for two more years, and then I came back to Illinois for graduate school. What an overachiever. Uh, today's theme <laughs> is going to be the overachiever, Dr. Melissa, and her uncomfortable amount of money. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll get to that. Please, so you in three years, so you did one year in Arizona and then went to Texas. That's correct. And somehow fit three more years into two? Um, Wait, yes. Hold on. Also, there's no way you went to school for three years because you literally have a PhD. Well, then so I went and got a PhD. You're already telling fibs. Right? So I went to undergrad for three years, and then okay. I have a doctorate, which was a five-year program beyond that. So eight years. Yeah. Now, did you do all of that in Texas? No. So I graduated with my bachelor's in Texas. And then I moved back home to Illinois, um, about an hour um, from where we grew up in Oswego. Yeah. Um, and I did all five years of my doctorate there in Schaumburg. Okay. So, and you were on your own that whole time. Yeah. Because the family's still in Texas. Yep. You got it. So, when you get your PhD, uh, is your PhD in clinical psychology? You got it right. Yep. So how do you go about joining that particular workforce? So, like, how can I not make this super boring? So basically... <laughs> you can summarize for <laughs> <laughs> 
So basically, it's um, you do four years of school, an internship, and a postdoc. So okay. the before you do the internship, you do what's called practicums, which are like mini internships. Yeah. So you really start practicing psychology after your first year. Okay. And you do that all the way through. So by the time you graduate with your doctorate, you have four years of experience under you. They want another year of postdoctorate. Um, you supervised experience, and then you get your license as a, as a clinical psychologist. Right, but you don't get to, so you don't join something, because like right now, we're literally in your office. Yes. In your private practice. Yes. Uh, where there may or may not be mice behind me. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't checked the closet today. This is an <laughs> old Victorian home, and yeah. sometimes we get mice. It is actually a very nice uh, uh, office, for sure, but... Is there anything you had to do or right out of college then when you're done with what you're uh, just finished talking about, do you get to go right into private practice then? You could. I didn't. Okay. Um, I worked for a major medical group for oh. almost 10 years. Wow, really? Yeah. I didn't realize that. So how long have you done, have your own little practice then? Um, about, I started during COVID, so about two and a half years. Uh, I got to think that this is more your speed and better. Yeah. Quote, unquote, better, whatever that means. But what did you think of doing the 10 years of the medical psychology? I mean, it was still clinical psychology. It was just sure. within a major medical group. So yeah. there was, you know, pediatrics and OBGYN and psychology. Yeah. So we just had our own um, section within the major medical practice. Um, but it was different. You know, that is a revenue-driven um, business business like any medical field at the, right in our country at least it's a business first right yeah very much so do you think that that was uh jarring to kind of learn that firsthand or did yeah. you kind of know that going into it you know i didn't know when i took the job but i very clearly quickly figured that out yeah that it was very much about how many people you could get through Right. And not necessarily about the best interests of the client. Yeah. So at this point, you've done uh, clinical psychology professionally for 12, 13 years? Yeah, about somewhere in there. Now, aside from the clinical psychology, uh, you also do this thing called access bars. Yeah. So access consciousness is the overarching um, modality. And access bars is uh, a body process that is one of the first things you learn within the realm of access consciousness. Mm -hmm. And some people just do that and other people go on to do other classes and kind of create more right. of a um, more of a, a lifestyle of using the tools. Right. Which we've already talked about overachiever. Yeah. So you like <laughs> to use all the tools and drive all the revenue. Now, this is different because it's not. It's it's interesting because it's not revenue based per se. No. Like, do you find? Uh, I think psychology is incredible, obviously, and very important, especially as we're growing more conscious of our mental stability uh, as a society. Do you you think that having it be money centric is a problem? Like, of course, everybody has to make money, right? Everybody has to make a living, and Anything you provide, you should be compensated for to whatever you value your time as. But do you think that that as the, not the sole goal, but the main focus is problematic? Or do you think it's still 
uh, opens up the floor to be a positive thing? Well, I think what where it's hard is that at, to be a clinical psychologist, it's a lot of school and it's a huge student loan. Right. So That's unless true. you come through the door with $200,000 in your pocket, yeah. you have large loans that you pay on every month. Right. So the major problem, you know, in my personal opinion in the country is that most people, most psychologists at this point are either insurance based, mm -hmm. which I am. Sure. And um, the what the insurance compensates psychologists hasn't really changed in the last 20 years. Right. So even though inflation continues to go up. Yeah. Nobody's really getting paid anymore. Well, also the idea of what is a mental condition and should be seen as a psychologist versus like what is isn't. Because I feel like that's evolved insanely over the last 30 years uh, as far as like usually we would just be like, hey, hey, stop it. Yeah. And now it's like, oh, this is an actual thing that we actually have to treat and talk about and try to work through. Right, right. So, I mean, I think that's where some of the issue lies. A lot of psychologists today are not taking insurance anymore for that reason. Really? Which is understandable. And I only take certain insurances for that reason. Yeah. But, um, but I still continue to accept insurance. But I know a lot of people are moving away from that so that they can charge more and I don't think that it's an assholeish move. Right. It's really to survive. Sure. And at the level, you know, if you're making a certain amount of money and what it costs to live is a certain space, but what it costs to live goes up, but your uh, revenue doesn't. Yeah. Well, now you have a mortgage that you bought under a different pretense. Right. And so, I mean, all of that changes things. So I think that where I found difficulty within um, like working for the major medical group was that they were so revenue driven that when I had so many clients coming in that I, I truly couldn't see, like I would have a new client and I couldn't get them in again for a month after their first session. That's just not good quality of care. Right. And I would ask to close my practice essentially meaning I couldn't take on new clients until I actually had places to put people again. And I was denied that over and over again. Wow. And so I was never, the entire time I worked there, I was never allowed to close my practice, meaning I didn't take on new clients. So at one point I counted and I had 400 open clients. That's insane. It is. So I haven't done the math recently, but my guess is right now I have more like 40 open clients, yeah. which is a lot more manageable. I don't sure. see everybody weekly. A lot of people I see every two weeks or once a month because they get better now. And so as they get better, we kind of space out how often they're seen. And right. I, now I can get more people in, but it's much more of a ethical and um, I don't even know the word I'm looking for. Like it's a practice now that I'm like proud of, Yeah. you know, where like people are actually coming through. They start to get better. They right. start weekly. They taper down to every other week. They taper down to once a month. And ultimately they sort of move on. Because yeah. their lives have improved so much. So I think the important key word there is better. Because like, uh, I think in a general sense that we kind of look at insurance, at least I look at insurance in general as problematic in the sense that everything you want to be sustainable. Because if it's a business, you want customers. Right. You don't want to fix anything because then they're not coming back. Uh, so it almost seems like that's why we're very pill driven yep. and even uh, I know in uh, psychiatry is very pill driven and stuff like that. And, and we've, I think we've gotten so used to that 
that that's what mm, in a <sighs> overall that's what people want, right? Like, just give me a pill so I yeah. can get on with my life, right? Yeah. So do you feel like uh, working in that psychological environment for so long was more? Let's sustain what we're doing to build a clientele to build revenue. You're talking 400 open cases, like yeah. patients. That's insane. It was insane. Yeah, not to have 40. Um, I'm also curious then too, because you're getting X amount of money to work there versus private practice. Is private practice you have a tenth of the people? Is it as lucrative? I would say yes. If I wanted to work more hours, sure, it would be equal. But yeah. given where I'm at and what I'm doing, and I've found a way business-wise to continue to make more revenue in a lot of different places. Yeah. I mean, at this point, I pay myself. You know, I actually collect a paycheck right. um, from my business to me, the person. And it's pretty much what I used to make there. Nice. So it's, it's definitely... And now I get to create my life, right? So right. if I... You know... So your life to work balance is 100% controlled by you now yeah yeah which is huge it's amazing i mean one of the things i look at now is it's like if i want to take a long weekend take a day off take a week off that's great you know one of the reasons that i left in the end i mean there was a lot of reasons right this was building over years but when i ultimately left that practice or the medical group it was mostly because my access consciousness built business was growing and becoming a bigger priority to me. Mm-hmm. And I was working for another facilitator at the time and somebody that I had immensely looked up to. And at that, I mean, we're friends now, but at that point to be working for her was right. such a privilege. And she had weekly meetings on Thursdays at one o'clock, right? And so I, I asked the boss at the time, like, hey, I just need this hour off you know, to not see clients at this time. And I had asked for something else, I don't remember, a couple of months prior. And she said, well, can you promise me that this will be the last time you ever change your schedule? <laughs> wow. And I said, no. <laughs> yeah. And it was that day that I was like, I have to leave. Because yeah. I, my life feels very limited and what I can actually choose working for somebody else. Yeah, that sounds awful. <laughs> now, is I know it's really hard to explain this in any kind of tangible way, but what is the access consciousness like? So, access consciousness is a personal development modality. Okay. In you know, in short, um, it's energy work. It sure. works with energy. If you've ever heard of Reiki or, um, I think I presume mm-hmm. it gets compared to Reiki often. It does. Now, it's what totally would, different. She, she, yeah. <laughs> I've done it is the only reason I, I know that. Yeah. But like, how would you explain the subtleties uh, and the huge differences between the two? Sure. So Reiki is calling on the Reiki energy and pulling it into somebody's body, essentially. In short, right? There's sure. a lot more to this. Absolutely. But, um, and access bars. And most of the work of access consciousness is actually clearing everything out that doesn't belong to you, that isn't you. Right. So any practice within access is never pulling something in so much as it is releasing everything that isn't you. Yeah, now, which is gets interesting with energy work because we subconsciously hold on to a lot, right? Yeah, And absolutely. we take on a lot of extra bullshit that we, that is heavy. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, uh, it is quite, a huge difference to think, okay, this is releasing as opposed to like 
pulling in and kind of cleansing uh, from the inside out. Now, what I'm curious in is the idea of being a clinical psychologist that's highly educated and uh, really good at your job and have your own private practice versus doing energy work that's a quote-unquote pseudoscience. Right. Uh, do you think those two things conflict with each other? The thing is, is I think some people might, but to me, they're the greatest contribution to each other. Yeah. Because I have clients that come in, and now you see how people are, right? Sure. You see how they, If I don't think I have any right now because I just did an expo over the weekend, but often I'll have brochures about access bars just sitting out in the waiting room. Yeah. So if somebody comes in with one in their hand and they're like, hey, can you tell me about this? That opens a conversation. Um, I have crystals in my office. Crystals have nothing to do with access consciousness. Sure. However. The crystals are amazing. That's why right. the energy feels good. Right, right, right. Yeah. And so even though crystals have nothing to do with access consciousness, it does have an energy to them. And often people who are like, oh, you know, I like your amethyst or your fluorite. Yeah. I know that they've at least dabbled somewhat in an energy field. Well, they're open to it. I, I think, too, right. some people get caught up in the word energy mm. because they don't necessarily feel that right so uh, what i've been trying to pivot to lately is vibration that's great because you know every we know that the world's made of atoms and yeah. atoms vibrate to exist yep. which means everything has a vibration well everything and has energy it's the exact same thing the vibration is what creates the energy that's why everything has energy right absolutely so, I mean, Einstein talked about energy. So, right. you know, often when people say things like, my oldest son the other day said, you know, somebody he knew was like, oh, she's like you. She believes in energy. <laughs> and I was like, what an interesting concept. You believe in energy. Yeah. I'm pretty sure energy is just a constant. No, nope, only you weirdos believe in energy. <laughs> right? So I was like, that's funny. Um, but yeah, actually, I've really found that, you know, with the people that are open to it, it's mm -hmm. a huge contribution. Yeah. I will run bars with clients, which are 32 points on the head that yeah. just like when lightly touched, just releases stuff, right? Like yeah. we're talking about releases all the stuck energy. So I have clients that I do that with. I also um, just use the tools. There's a lot of t like verbal tools of access consciousness that I teach a lot of clients and the people that are really open to hearing that stuff are the people that I see the most change with. Right. They're the people who've gotten better, whatever that means exactly. But if they're sure. coming in for depression, anxiety, OCD, um, anything else sort of in that realm, when I've also combined the tools of access consciousness, those are the people that I've seen have the most progress, make the most change. And I've really seen people who like were pretty stuck when they got here, you yeah. know, were in and out of the, um, the mental hospitals and had had lots of treatment lots of intensive treatment mm -hmm. and once we started using these tools are the things that now they haven't gone back in years and are actually off medication and are thriving yeah so i mean i've really seen the tools of access consciousness create so much more change than yeah. psychology alone i love the idea of kind of seeing because we're still in the infancy of even psychology being taken seriously sure, and to see kind of where the holes in psychology are this whole new practice coming in and kind of filling those holes because to me they work in tandem like they're Absolutely. not they're not separate i understand that as a whole we're not there yet but being part of the an infancy of it is awesome and i've done the uh access bars so i know what it's like now there's a step up from that yeah which is called SOP. Yeah, so SOP stands for Symphony of Possibilities. Sure. Which um, 
is a you're right it's a it's a higher level class within access consciousness because it's a um, whole body thing now yeah so there's actually access is huge so we have right. tons of different areas there's um, we talk about there's what's called X-Men which is talking about like autism ADHD OCD anxiety things like that I get so excited whenever you go live talking about X-Men because I'm always thinking of comic books <laughs> well that's the idea and so far you've never talked about comic books <laughs> But the idea is like knowing that like you're actually everything you think is wrong about you is yeah. actually a capacity and a strength. Right. So that is the X-Men specialty. I'll try not to veer too far that way. <laughs> but so, I mean, but there's all these specialties. There's talk to the entities, which is, you know, talking to ghosts, spirits, whatever you call that. Sure. There's uh, joy of business, which is talking about all the business pieces. There's called right riches for you, which is all the money stuff. Um, I'm going to forget a hundred, but there's um, conscious parents, conscious kids. There's talk to the animals. There's it's like so many different, there's conscious horse, conscious rider is a whole area where people who love horses. Yeah. And so there's all these different specialty areas, but the body work alone, there's, um, there's actually body processes, which are hands on, like holding your hands on a body. Mm -hmm. And then there's what you described as symphony of possibilities, which is mostly off of the body. And it's a little bit on the body, kind of. It's really, really following the energy. I say it depends on how the energy is flowing, uh -huh. right? But it very much is. Um, it's following the energy of what that person's being yeah. is really requiring at that time, and it's one of those things that's probably the hardest for me to talk about because yeah. it is so energetic, and it really is being very present with energy and moving and changing the molecules to create something greater but it's also it's like bringing out the you that you are right now uh with your permission i'd like to because i've done that a bunch yeah and i really really love that and do think that it's changed tons of things for me uh and i can point to specific uh, iterations of that and you've seen because you've seen my energy when i started versus every time we met up, like every six months to a year after. Uh, and normally you, as a, as, not as a rule, but normally you don't talk about what happens in a session. And it's not something that you like get deep into. Right. You just let it be what it is and that manifests for you however that manifests for you. And you get whatever you need out of that. Uh, but again, with your permission, can you speak to some of the things that you dealt with uh, while we were doing one, some of the things that came up, some of the things you felt, how the energy worked, uh, and just kind of explain a little more in depth of what those processes look like behind the scenes? Yeah, I mean, I could try. <laughs> <laughs> I know there was some weird stuff happening. So, I mean, I mean, this is more personal about you. Yeah, no, okay, sure. absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean, when we started, there was just a lot of like sort of blockages, right? Yeah. And um, I was, I was pretty depressed. Uh, I was working uh, with a pretty severe sugar addiction. Has kind of been a crux for me for most of my life, uh, and those were the like the main things that I felt were kind of holding me back. Versus when I got down on the on the table and what you saw or what came up with you yeah i mean there was all sorts of different things that popped and going back there i'm like trying to get present with what that looked like i one of the things i remember the most is that there was this joy that just was radiating from your feet which is just sort of <laughs> funny right yeah but it was sort of like 
I was like, can you let the rest of your body know that you're, there's still joy here, you yeah. know? And so, but it's like, those, those are things where things, we put up so many walls and barriers sure. to, to having us because we've, at some point, most of us have decided we're wrong, we're bad, we're too fucked up, we're too, right. um, you know, all the things that we make really wrong about us. And so we start to close doors and shut things down and energetically. Yeah. Also, if I could just throw mm-hmm. in there, even like, cause I talk like that in jest saying that stuff out loud makes your body believe it. Well, absolutely. And well, whether you say it out loud or you think it in your head. Well, sure. Yeah. It's right. Same, so it's still in you. Right. And so all of that stuff, I mean, it, there was just a lot of stuff locked and, and the more we, you know, spent time even in that first session, I started to feel it unlock and then it would kind of close again. It would unlock and then close. It wasn't quite moving. And it was, you know, and I find this with a lot of people by the end of session, it sort of starts to move. Right. And, you know, I think when I saw you the next time, it was so clear that something had shifted. Sure. And, you know, I was, I'm trying to remember, I was aware of intensity in your heart area I was aware of um, some anxieties, things like that, where it was just kind of intense in like your upper body. And then by the time I saw you next a lot, it still took a little while, but it was moving a lot faster. It didn't take me, you know, 45 minutes to, to feel like there was energy movement and there was a lot more lightness in your world. And I'm sure there was some sessions in between there, but I think the last time we did a session, I was like, whoa, like there is so much change now and there is so much lightness yeah. that it it was so clear to me how much you had stepped more into being you right and let go of so much of like the the stuck stuff that that didn't belong to you that you were holding on dearly yeah. to like even, even when i walked in the door you cuz we hadn't seen each other in like 6 or 8 months and just walking in the door you're like holy shit like your whole energy Signature is different. Yeah, it was really different. That was before we even like got into any actual work. That's true. Yeah, so it was crazy. Now, uh, and I liked that a lot, which was it, it was a really cool experience. But and that was those sessions I did were an hour, just out of curiosity, and you know everybody has to decide what is worth what to them. How much does stereotypically something like an hour session of SOP cost. It depends on who your practitioner is. hundred percent. Sure. But like, what's the range that like you would charge? Um, I charge $300 for the hour. Okay. And then the access bars, which is just the head work. How many points did you say? There's 32 points 32 on the head. 32 points mm-hmm. on the head. And how much, that's usually like a half hour. No, it's an hour. Oh, it's an hour as well. Okay. Yeah. So I charge $150. And the for SOP can right be now. shorter mm-hmm. or longer also. And bars can be shorter or longer right. also. Sure. I, I stay, my standard is an hour. Um, and everybody charges different amounts. I know yeah. people who charge a lot more than that. Right. And I know people who charge a bit less. Now, what I'm curious, though, is those things aren't necessarily, or maybe they are, covered by insurance. No. Right. They're not. Do you now, find that frustrating because they're so much more helpful? Well, what's interesting <laughs> is, I mean, we're not there yet. We're actually in the middle of um, getting a study going because they have found that some energy work is starting to be covered by insurance. So we're actually in the Ooh, process really? of changing that. That's awesome. Uh, that's really cool for for everybody. Yeah. So, when you, if you weren't a practitioner, 
Does three hundred dollars sound like a lot for you to invest into yourself for an hour? Like, do you get your nails done? I do. And how much does it cost to get a mani pedi? A mani pedi, probably <laughs> eighty bucks. Right, and some people are like, "That's too much to spend on myself for right, the week," right? Which is crazy. Yeah. Because I, I firmly believe that part of self care. This is different than being like, I can't afford that because I won't eat otherwise. Right. Or I can't feed my kids. But I mean, like, you know, to quote a wonderful show, treat yourself, right? Yeah. And and I think that that's, you know, a very important piece of mental health. And you can't really put a price on mental stability and breaking through these things. What's interesting about a lot of the work that I do is mental stability is like step one. Right. You know, mental stability, yeah, I mean, that's why people come to me as a psychologist. Sure. And, but my real target for people is, of course, to get them stable. Yeah. But beyond that is to get to the space where they're thriving, where they can have anything and everything they'd really like to have as their life. And, I mean, that's what the tools of access really are about. You know, I mean, psychology, there is a a Uh, body of work called positive psychology, which was more about thrival than just survival. But other than that, psychology really is the practice of, you know, fixing what's wrong with you. Right. You know, but we get into something like energy work and the work that Access Consciousness does. And it's really about getting way beyond survival. Of course, we want survival, but it's more about like, how can you live the life you'd really like to live? Yeah. And and the sky's the limit. I mean, even when we look at like what we think having a great life is. We're still looking at everybody else for a reference point of what a great life really looks like. And yeah. one of the things, sorry, did you want to say something? Uh, no, I was I was intently listening. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, I mean, one of the things with I'll that, interrupt you if I You can to. interrupt me as much as you want. It's my show. It's true. It is your show. I'm just here. Right. <laughs> when I was Tim's on your world. show, it was fine. But now you're on my show. Right? Tim's world. I'm just living in it. So, yeah. I mean, it really is about, like really having anything that you'd like to have, even beyond what you think is on the menu, what you can choose, and really looking. And one of the things I look at with people is like, if you could have anything as your life, like not what your neighbor is doing, not what your best friend is doing, not what you know the celebrity on the TV is doing, yeah. like what is it that you'd really like to have as your life? What would light you up? What energies are you asking for in your life? And pulling into that, because that's actually where you start to like truly live. Yeah. You know, I mean, I have a podcast, which you just mentioned, called yep. Wild Enthusiasm for Living. I did an episode. But you did. It was amazing. Yeah. But that's that's really the target is to wake up every day with a wild enthusiasm for living. Right. And, you know, it's funny as we talk about this. I mean, I can go on about this forever, about just how much it's changed my own life. But, like, I woke up this morning and I knew I had a full day of meetings. I had a ton of stuff today. Today might be the most packed day I've had in a while. And, and I was like, oh my God, I'm so excited for today. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, I did it. Like, this was like the one target I've had is to like wake up yeah. excited for the day ahead when it's not like I, I'm not leaving for a vacation today. I don't have, right. you know, there's not like something happening today, yeah. but I woke up today, like excited for my life. And I was like, whoa, that's so cool. That is cool. Like, I mean, that's still tied to like, you know, intention and work is play and all these various ideas that we throw around, which are easy to throw around, but that's not necessarily easy to live. Yeah. So when you kind of wake up and realize you're living that, it's like, oh, I made it. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> right? And I mean, the thing is, even when we have a day like that, it's so easy to be like, well, tomorrow won't be like that. 
you know? Yeah. So it's like where you really start to, you know, intentionally choose your life in 10 second increments of, you know, every 10 seconds, like, okay, what can I choose now? Yeah. You know, what can I, what can I choose now that would create joy, that would create the energy that I'd like my life to be in five years? You know, right. something I was looking at with a client this week, I don't even remember who now, but I remember the conversation was, you know, we were talking about like, okay, well, what would you like your life to be like five years from now? Well, what choices can you make today right. to create that? future that you're asking for you know and so this is some of the kinds of conversations and work I do with people yeah I think it's also important to add like of course life ebbs and flows there's ups and downs absolutely but the focus is still there and it's I think as you take this path you become less stuck yeah when while it's ebbing and flowing and you still remain oh I'm still pushing forward I can feel less today but I'm still moving forward well, that's the thing. So like the tagline of Access Consciousness, the, the mantra, if you will, is all of life comes to me with ease, joy, and glory. Right. So that's not everything will be easy all the time. Sure. And that's an important distinction. It is. Ease is not the same as easy. Yeah. Do you, one of the things, like when I was doing the trauma recovery and stuff too with clients, uh, I, I, do you ever run into this idea of like people will come and do one? Mm -hmm. And you're like, this is not a magic fix. Right. Where you do one session and you're done. Yeah. Uh, this is a process. Yeah. And there's a, so much to wade through. Like, you don't even know your bullshit until you open it up and look. And then you're like, oh, there's no way this is going to be cleared in a day. Right. <laughs> it's a process. And then it's maintaining that process after you're comfortable enough to go back. Yeah. Well, absolutely. And there's definitely people that come in for one session and that's all they ever do. And that's... Totally yeah. fine. Sure. But, sure. you know, that's their choice. Yeah. But, yeah, when people are looking for a quick fix, it's the same energy as looking for a pill. Right. Right? Exactly. And so, so this is not this is not some magic thing where it's like, oh, we'll just rub our hands around somebody and then they're send them on their way and they're fixed. Right. Yeah. No. This is work just like anything else. And it's, it's focused individual work. And you're either up for it or you're not. But you know. right, well, right. There's a level of choice involved, and in like, are you? I don't love the like do the work thing, but just because I don't like the word work, because everybody has a sure. like, negative connotation yeah, with it. But there is a a choice involved to continue to choose towards the energy that creates your life. Yeah. If you do it once, and you're like, oh well, that I didn't feel anything, or that didn't do anything. That's like, well. And there are people who have one bar session, you know, mm -hmm. the co-creator backs of consciousness, Dr. Dane here, you know, was suicidal, had a, a date planned to kill himself. And he, after his first bar session, he got up and off the table and was like, oh my God, has it always been this beautiful here? Right. So, I mean, there are definitely people that have a session now. He wasn't like, all right, done with that. Yeah. You know, he's gone on to create, you know, his career with Hex's consciousness right. and does more and more every day. But... There are certainly people who have a miraculous experience, but it doesn't sure. mean that that's it and that's over and that's that's all there is. You yeah. know, you it's always about continuing on any journey sure. to to follow it. You know, to keep going and asking for more. Which makes sense. They like there's the old uh, the, what are they called. Uh, I'm gonna butcher however it's pronounced, but koans from like. Uh, Zen and Buddhist ideas where they're like these it means like question answer and they're mm -hmm. like these cute stories that are like riddles and they're designed to awaken your brain immediately and for some people they do and some people they don't and it's kind of the same idea I also wonder if it's like if you're so close to the edge if it's an easier trigger 
uh, to kind of a, a just awaken like that. Now, what I also wanted to touch on real quick, just because it's uh, uh, it's an insane story, and it it gets me emotional even hearing about it. You have three kids. I do. And how old is your oldest kid? Twenty-four. Twenty-four. Now, uh, you adopted this kid, right? I did. Joe. Joe. He's got a name. Let's not be weird. <laughs> uh, how did Joe come into your life? Uh, Joe is a kid that I knew from the time he was younger. And um, he was a kid in the foster system. Mm-hmm. And um, when he, so he got a full ride to college. Um, kids in the foster system in Illinois, if their grades are at a certain level, um, can get a scholarship to get a full ride to college. So he got the scholarship. And um, when it came time to go, his parents at the time wouldn't sign the paperwork. So um, is it why? Like, I don't understand. That's all. Whatever. Another bag of worms. Sure. So some people suck. <laughs> some people suck. So uh, ultimately, um, he needed an adult that like knew him to vouch for him. So I wrote a letter for him. And um, so that he could go to college and he um, just kind of came into our life. Like he started hanging out, uh, you know, he was couch surfing at the time. So, you know, I was like, hey, like if you want a place to stay, you know, <laughs> um, my husband and I took him down to college when he went. And then, um, you know, we had said, you know, you're welcome to come stay with us over breaks. Um, at that point, you know, he hadn't stayed with us yet, and he reached out around Christmas, and we were kind of in contact, right. and he said, you know, did you mean what you said? Like, can I come stay with you? And we were like, yeah. So he did, and through the rest of college, all of his breaks were spent with us, and then um, we got to a point where he was going to lose insurance. Um, he would have been put on, you know, public aid. So we said, you know, we can adopt you legally if you'd like to do that. You know, I know how you feel about family, but right. we're, you know, we love you. We'd love to have you if you would like to do that. And um, so we did. We went to court and we legally adopted him. So um, when he was 20 years old, he became my son. And um, so, yeah, now I have three boys and he is thriving. He has a great job um, up north. Actually, he's so fun. He lives down the street from where I went to grad school. So really? he lives walking distance to the bar that I spent all of grad school at. That's hilarious. So um, my husband and I went with him the other night and it was so fun. It was so nostalgic for me because it yeah. was like where I spent my early 20s, which is right. you know where he's at now. Yeah. So same age, he's living in the same place that I lived at that point. That's funny. And now, yeah. it, it's interesting to me too because it's not, I would hesitate to say that the system failed him per se. But it definitely didn't feel like it had his best interests at heart. I mean, the best part of the system was the free ride to college. Right. Which is, you know, realistically, I guess, all you can hope for. Yeah. So how did he get away from his foster parents that refused to sign the paperwork? He just kind of aged out of it? Well, he aged out. And, um, and yeah, he, they, for all intents and purposes, kicked him out. Right. And, um, and so that's, that's how that went. Yeah. How did you initially meet him? Was he, uh, were you seeing him as a patient or just whatever? He was just in my world. Interesting. Now, the real reason I brought you here today is because I like to make fun of you a lot because you're rich. Now, you're not actually rich, <laughs> <laughs> but to me, you're rich. Now, I know to you, you live in this circle 
out here where you're probably the little person on the totem pole. And you also have, uh, like, you go live and you do stuff, and you had just mentioned even some of the access stuff was money-centric. Yeah. And I'm curious because you and I have extremely different philosophies about money. Yeah. It's probably why you have some and I don't. <laughs> That's probably true. <laughs> uh, what is, because I don't think that you're, you're controlled by money, and I don't think that you're an asshole about money, uh, like we were just talking about the medical system and how it's kind of... Uh, money centric but obviously everybody needs to make a living and you want to live as comfortably as possible so in your world like what is the goal like how do you what do you look at money as is it just a facilitator and what is the ultimate goal as far as like balance like where's the end point yeah there isn't one so you just want all the money (laughs) well it's not that so a question that really got me is can you change the world more with money or without money Right. And so I'm willing to have money, and I would sure like a lot more than I have now, now so that I just, can change the world. Even, even that more. was just an interesting sentence. I'm willing to have money. Yeah. A lot of people are not. No, so, like, well, yeah, that's kind of what I'm getting at is that is a whole, like, I've never heard you say that, or at least I've never paid attention enough to hear that. It's so mind blowing because it's such a simple throwaway sentence. But it's like, yeah, because. Uh, like I just said, our philosophies are different. And it's almost like I go out of my way to avoid money because of negative connotations. You bet. And kind of flipping that whole idea and being like, oh, I'm willing to have it. And it's not going to bring any of its bullshit with it. I'm going to use it for something uh, greater than itself. Well, it's interesting that you even say, like, it's bullshit. Like, money has bullshit. Money itself? <laughs> money is just money. It's literally you know? just, like, paper. Money <laughs> is just energy. Right. And so, but what happens is from the time we're little kids, I would venture to say even before that, past yeah. lifetimes, et cetera, depending sure. on your points of view, is that money gets a bad rap. Yeah. Like, we were taught by our parents, by right. everybody in our lives, that money is the root of all evil. You can think of all the things people say about money, that money is bad, people with money. Changes people, right? Right, absolutely. And so, but if that's your point of view, then that's just something you're sticking on to money. But money itself, money doesn't have a point of view. Money is just energy. So it's all about your point of view about it. Yeah. That's what creates what you do or don't have in your life. Yeah. And so, like, to your point, like, willingness to have money is like, hey, like, I actually love money, but most people hate money. Well, even the saying that out loud, it's like, ugh. Right. Because like, it makes everybody, everybody just heard you say that is like, this bitch right. loves money. I know. <laughs> and it's so wrong. Yeah. Right? Stereotypically, sure. Sure. And so it's like the willingness to, and it, I, trust me, this took me the longest time to get to. Because I used to say, God, when I was in grad school, I had no money. I mean, I would cry. The bills were sitting there that I couldn't pay. Yeah. And my parents wouldn't help me. The year they put a pool in, I was in so much <laughs> debt. And I was like, you bitches just spent all this money on a pool. And I'm sitting here crying because I can't pay my freaking electric bill. Yeah. You know? And so it's not like, oh, I've always had money. I've always loved money. That's not true. I had right. nothing. Nothing. Also, not for nothing, like, I know I've taken the piss but we just covered your journey. Like you've worked your ass off to get to where you are and you've built a practice. You put like yourself through school and everything like that. Well, yeah. Like that's impressive. Well, and that's part of the story, right? But it's not the whole story. No, not at all. And right. so, I mean, I know lots of people who 
work their ass off to go to, through school and still don't have money. Yeah. And I know, I know a lot of people put their ass through school and then didn't use their degree at all. I do too. <laughs> and I know a lot of people who didn't go to school at all who have lots of money. Right. So, I mean, I, I definitely think it's all relative. But, you know, I mean, on, on the topic of, you know, I hated money. I hated money. Yeah. It's like money is the problem. I, I, if money wasn't a thing, my life would be great. Money is awful. But when you have those points of view, you actually uninvite money into your life. Right. And so because it's like, you know, there's sort of a tagline, like if money was a party or if your life was a party, would money want to come? <laughs> but if you think about like, you know, if money shows up at your door and you're like, there's never enough of you, right. you know, why didn't you bring your friends? Sure. God, like, I hate that you're here. You fucking suck. Yeah. Like, is money going to hang out at that party? Or That's how I feel at every party I go to. But <laughs> right. you're right. I don't enjoy it. <laughs> right. So is money going to invite his friends? Be like, this party's awesome. Come yeah. play. You know? And I know it's sort of ironic to talk about money as though it's a person at your doorstep. Yeah. Well, but realistically, if you want something to be different, you got to look at it differently. Absolutely. So, Where if you're grateful for yeah. everything that shows up, I mean, I do talk, lots of talks about this. If you're grateful for every you know dollar you get, every dime you find on the ground... You know, and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so grateful for this money. It's amazing. What would it take for even more of this to show up? It starts to change the energy where you're actually inviting more in. Because your natural state is abundance. Right. You are part of the planet. If you walk outside and go find yourself a sidewalk crack, unless it's been heavily manicured, you will find little seedlings and little like, um, even my back porch out here always has like all this foliage growing in the sidewalk crack. Right. Because it's men, you know, men meaning people, come in and concrete over things and move things and change things. But anything that people haven't touched naturally starts getting overgrown right. and with abundance of nature. But that's our natural state also. Well, because I think that we work really hard to separate ourselves from nature. Absolutely. Which I, I also, I, I don't think that we're in a shift on that like other things. But I think people like us. We don't separate ourselves yeah. from the consciousness and like the reality of what the world is, the universe. Absolutely. We're just another piece of it. We happen to be able to use our eyes and brains as an aperture to look at it, but we're not different from it. Yeah, yeah. Well, absolutely. And so, I mean, if you see that as any kind of indication of what, what's actually true for us, like you naturally are an abundant being. You're right. naturally, money naturally is in your world. We actually have to work hard to not have it. Yeah. But we, it's with our points of view sure. that actually sort of keep it out. So, I mean, that's, I could talk about money forever, but I mean, that's kind of well, the, it's an interesting shift for me, just the simplicity of I'm willing to have money. Yeah. Like this idea of like, if nobody else wants it, I mean, I'll take it. Yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> kind of how it works. Like everybody else is talking shit about it. I'll just hold on to it. Yeah. And use it uh, as I see fit. Where where did that kind of come from, that idea? I'm truly access consciousness. It, so I mean, it's all stemmed from the, kind of the same idea of what you've been doing the last... How long have you been doing access consciousness? Uh, since the end of 2018. So not quite five years. Yeah. You know what I wanted to touch on too, actually, I was curious. So uh, we talked about kind of the pricing. Now you said you just did an expo. Mm-hmm. What is that? So, I mean, there's all sorts of different things, but there's all yeah. these like mind, body, spirit expos maybe people have heard of. That wasn't mm. this. This was actually part of Swedish days. But <laughs> um, but there's lots of different ones where, you know, I mostly do either like natural living, healthy something, something, or um, 
like the metaphysical kind of expos where people are selling all sorts of different things. There's yeah. psychic readers, there's people doing Reiki or craniosacral or other energy works. And I'll usually just do access bars mm-hmm. at those. I don't do all the other stuff. Do you have a line? Like, I'm curious just personally if, because uh, clinical psychologists, highly educated, access bars, uh, energy work, psychic readings. Yeah. Do you have a point where you're like, all right, I like my energy work, but this is a little too much. Or do you kind of just feel that you're like, if it's all energy-based, there's room and there's a place for all of it, and it all is what it is? Well, I mean, one of the things is like, when we talk about consciousness, consciousness includes everything and judges nothing. Right. So I'm not necessarily there to decide everything else is less than what I do. It's different. I've found, I've done a lot of different things. I've tried a lot of different modalities before I got to access. I was doing Mm -hmm. other things. Uh, I've been, you know, training Reiki and psychic intuitive stuff and all sorts of other things, right? Mm -hmm. And um, I've seen the most change using access, which is why that's what I do. But that's not to poo-poo at anything else. Everybody else has their own experience. And if they love what they do, that's amazing. And that's just not the thing that I sort of stuck with. Right. Now, you also do where you are, uh, I don't know what they're called or how it works exactly. So I'm going to trip my way through this. (laughs) You're a facilitator. Yeah. Where you will go and like for a weekend, like a day on on a weekend and bring people in and teach them how to do access bars. Yeah, that's true. Uh, do you teach them also? You don't teach the SOP, just that. No, only Dr. Dane here teaches SOP, and now Dr. Anthony Mattis also does teach okay, the Okay, so SOP. you're allowed to do it, but you cannot facilitate. That's true. Now, when typically if you're facilitating the access bars, like how many people would usually be in a class at once? It depends on the person, the facilitator, the area, lots yeah. of things. I just think- in a general sense. For None of us me, are going to check. <laughs> I mean, you know, for me personally, I would say an average class is anywhere between four and ten people. Yeah. Um, I know there's facilitators in other parts of the world that will have 100-person classes. Right, which is insane to think about. Sure. Because it feels, you know, some people I'm sure can make 100 feel small and intimate, but four to ten seems more manageable. Now, because I've, I've, if I remember correctly, if you go through an access bar session X amount of times, you have enough of a knowledge of it to be able to practice it. So you only have to do the one-day class in order to practice. You're a practitioner after the one-day class. So after an eight-hour class, you can go out and practice. Once you've taken three classes with three different facilitators, you can teach it. Oh, okay. Interesting. So how much does something like that run to be part of the facilitator's uh, full day just to get the one class under your belt. The one day class is three hundred and fifty dollars. Okay, because I'm curious. I'm curious. What I'm trying to do is, in my head, just to kind of be like, okay, so if you see a couple people a week here and there, and you facilitate even like just twice a month, I'm like ten people times two hundred fifty dollars. Like, God, that's. It's it is lucrative. <laughs> well, it absolutely is, and Gary Douglas, the founder of Access, designed it as such. Right. You know, and so, I mean, he wanted us to go out there and change the world with this stuff. Yeah. And part of that is the willingness to, to make some money on it. Right. And also to have it be a pull to have other people want to facilitate it. Yeah. The, you know, the more people who are teaching classes and this stuff, the more people are doing it. Right. And the greater the world becomes. Yeah. It's, it's interesting to me. and I'm kind of <laughs> working out some shit in my brain while trying to do this show and make it compelling. 
<laughs> just because, well, like, because Jay and I, we talked uh, the other day, and uh, it'll, you'll hear on his episode, too, we were talking about money, because I think we kind of come from a similar idea where everything should be free. Right. Um, which is silly, and it's like we, we just talked about, you know, pushing money away, uh, and then when he started doing certain things, it was like, okay, but I'm I'm creating something and giving you something that adds value to what you're doing. Right. And realistically, it costs me money to facilitate that or to get here or to do mm-hmm. things. So I have to value, and whatever I value my own time at as well. And the history of learning that and stuff like that. And it's like, because that was, it's almost like what we're talking about. The shift happened when I was talking to Jay. At least the door opened. And then what we're talking about right now is the shift in my whole philosophy of how I've thought about money so far in my whole life, which is blowing my mind right now <laughs> <laughs> while I'm trying to maintain my composure and do this. Well, that's amazing. I want to add, too, just on that, you know, if somebody's interested in taking a bars class, it is $350 in the United States. If this is listened to in other countries, sometimes there's country pricing. Sure. Um, and once you've taken one class ever, it actually drops to half price. Oh, nice. So it's one seventy five therefore after like thereafter. Yeah. So if somebody wanted to take three classes to facilitate it, it's three hundred fifty dollars the first time, and then one seventy five the second two. So it's really only what is that seven hundred dollars sure. as an investment? And to, then you teach, can and teach then you it. can teach. Yeah. And if that's fun for you, and it's not everybody wants to teach it. No, but I I don't have a desire to teach it. Uh, I'm also more interested in the SOP, which nobody's allowed to do. That's not true at all. You can absolutely do it. You just have to take a class. It's on almost it. like I don't listen. <laughs> <laughs> I just kind of decide what I think. Right, right, right. right. That's, that's all interesting. Uh, do you have a website for your? I do. It's it's doctor. So D R Melissa Mahan. So it's D R Melissa and then M A H O N. Yeah, hearing the word ma- I know. Mahan is impossible. I know. I just say man to most people, but yeah. because I'm doing this, I guess I'm I pronouncing it of, appropriately. I presume a lot of people say Mahan. Or they Mahan. do. They say Mahan and Mahone. Um, it is. I just say man for all intents and purposes. So, anyways, it's yeah. Dr. Melissa, M A H O N dot com. What we'll do is just call Mike, Mike Jurgens. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Every Not, time you say Jurgens, it's so weird to me. Obviously, if you guys haven't picked up, that's my maiden name, but it's, so, it's, yeah. it's such an awkward thing because I haven't been Jurgens for. Yeah, you guys have been married years. forever, right? Yeah. 13 years we've been married. And I don't mean that in any disrespect, but not to Mike either. Mike's amazing. Oh, I'm... But that's how I've always known you. I do the same thing to my sister, for yeah. Christ's sake. No, I, I don't think he would be offended at all. It's just strange <laughs> to me. Yeah. Because I don't ever hear that anymore. Yeah, not that anybody could figure out how to spell Jurgens. Right? That was a weird spelling, too. <laughs> You've just gone from one horrible I know, I know. Another. It's so true. So what happens next well i'm working on growing a lot of things um you even mentioned to me this week which i again appreciate you finding some time to fit this in that it's been hectic as hell recently because things are happening so fast yeah no it's been amazing i actually have a class coming up there's no prereqs if anybody's interested and i don't know when this will go out to the world but oh man um, (laughs) right but i called surfing the tsunami which is the energy of you know, when everything's happening really fast, there's a lot of change going on. How do you, how do you surf it? How do you manage it? How do you have fun with it? 
you know, rather than being knocked over by it. But yeah, yeah I mean, um, also that side note, because there's, you have so much going on and you're constantly doing things. Uh, can we just, do you have a specific, like not a newsletter? Like, can we follow you on Facebook or somewhere where we can keep track of all that you have going on? Yeah, I mean, I'm on Instagram um, okay. or Facebook. I mean, you can find me on all of the things. And it was Dr. Melissa Mahan. Uh-huh. I said it wrong. No, you're great. <laughs> com. And on my Instagram, it's the same thing. It's Dr. underscore Melissa underscore man. Yeah. And so um, you can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook. Um, I'll try to spell it when I, cause I have to write a description. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I don't know if I can link anything, but I'll try to at yeah. least spell okay. it out so somebody can be like, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you should be able to find me on all on all the platforms and on my website also. You'll certainly see all my upcoming things. Yeah. Um, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I wanted to... No, 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 you're great. Um, what was the question? Oh, what, what's happening next? <laughs> yeah, a million things. I mean, in my private practice, I have students starting, so... Um, students starting? Yeah, so August 2nd, I have three students starting. So that's people who are coming to learn from me. Oh, nice. So as they're budding therapists, two of which are budding psychologists, and one is a budding... A clinical counselor or something like that so um so i'll have them starting here so my practice is you know growing um as far as all the access stuff yeah i have classes that i do around the country and world and um yeah and i do a lot of classes locally here in at my house in batavia and then um, i definitely travel to do classes also so um it's you can certainly check out all the upcoming things that is a lot of stuff. How about personally? What's is there something growth-wise that you're working on, or do you kind of just let things happen as they happen and just let, let yourself be in tune with that? Yeah, I mean, there's always personal things I'm working towards. I mean, for me, it's like clearing energetic blocks to um, to grow my business. You know, sometimes I there's stuck stuff where I like would really like more people in classes or yeah. you know I mean things like that. So we even talked about one because we had dinner a while back, uh, and I had mentioned uh, like kind of a way to reach out bigger, like yeah. and, and less typical. Yeah. And it looks like you have created a brochure to to do exactly that. Yeah, one of the things I've been talking about, and uh, many of my like colleagues within access have been doing is doing bars within businesses so actually yeah. doing you know like some businesses will bring in a massage therapist for the day mm-hmm. you know and actually having going into corporations and running people's bars yeah. as a way to uh, defend against burnout which is smart I actually had that idea years ago when I was working for a company and I was like oh we should bring a couple of you guys in yeah to do this thing that never happened for absurd reasons that are out of our control but I think it's like common sense. Like it's so smart to just be like, all right, everybody's high level stress, dealing with so much. Like, what can we think of and do outside of the box, other than like giving everybody a week off? <laughs> right. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, isn't that it? Is really allowing people to have a space where they do get. To, I mean, when you have your bars run, your mind gets to kind of like take a break. Yeah. You know. I mean, it's completely. It's relaxing. People have all sorts of different experiences. But it really, because it unlocks so much stress, anxiety, things like that, and actually allows that to dissipate, it can really be a huge, um, you know, benefit to any business. So, I mean, that is something I'm working on also adding. And if anybody listening, you know, has any businesses that would be interested, <laughs> that would be amazing. Um, reach out. 
And um, yeah, I mean, I'm always creating. And so, I mean, that's, you know, like you said, I mean, as far as personal stuff, I mean, I'm always working on different things about, you know, just being in, uh, just having a greater like communion with my, my husband, my kids, I mean, that whole world. And, um, you know, I mean, I've certainly worked through a lot of stuff using all of this. I mean, a lot of my own insecurities, a lot of making people greater than me. I mean, I can, a ton of anxiety. I mean, I can look at all the things that I've worked through that, you know, you don't often know what you're working on. So you get to the other side of it. Right. And then you're like, oh man, yeah. like I, I had this whole thing and I totally yeah. got through that now. That's interesting too that you said because it's always, a lot of this is retrospect. Yeah. Where you, like you're already through it and then you're like, oh, I just, Hey, I just got through that thing. I didn't even realize I was in. <laughs> yeah, well, absolutely. Cause so much of what we're changing all the time are things that we've kept hidden from ourselves. Yeah. Well, the subconscious is designed to protect us. Right. And so, you know, it's like when we're actually willing to get present with those things and have them show up, you yeah. know, and it's really if you ask, you know, the universe for, you know, something to move or change, sometimes it'll be really confronting because it'll show up, right. but it shows up because now you have an opportunity to choose something different with it. And now yeah. you can get to the other side of it. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, there's, I can look at so many things that have changed for me over the last few years and things I, you know, I'm continuing to move through and work through and, you know, it's, right. it's always growth. I, I hope I never get to a point where I decide I'm done yeah. now. That would be, it's insane to me to think that like life is constant evolution until you're not, until you become the next part of it. Right. Like, it's insane to think at any point just being like, I'm done. Right. <laughs> this is it forever. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Do you think there'll come a time, uh, or is it even a goal, where you will do less psychology and more of the, the access consciousness? You know, it's so funny you bring that up, just because I was looking at it this morning. Yeah. I was looking at like the energy. I do this a lot. I do sort of asks of the universe. Sure. And I was looking at it this morning and I was like, is that something I desire to stop doing yeah. therapy? Do you enjoy therapy? I do enjoy therapy. And so I looked at it for a minute and I was like, okay, maybe I would stop. And I was like, would I though? <laughs> and, and I've gone around with it. I think if anything, I would do less. I don't sure. know that I'll, and this could change. Ask me in five years. But, yeah. you know, right now, I, I can't imagine not doing it at all. But I'm aware of a future where maybe, you know, I mean, I love the, I love the one-on-one -on -one stuff of therapy. I think one of the things that's fun for me about therapy is that I get to introduce a lot of this stuff to people who would have never otherwise sought it out, found right. it. Yeah. So it's sort of this way of like introducing some of this energetic topics, you know, into people's worlds where they wouldn't necessarily otherwise have it. Um, and, you know, when you do an access class, you know, and you have a room full of people, I mean, it's like you can, more people get the change in less time, which is yeah. also awesome. So, I mean, I don't, I don't think that there's like a, it's this or that. Yeah. You know, I think it's really, I mean, the way, there was a time that I really wanted to leave psychology, but what I've gotten to now is I just wanted to leave the way that it was being done in my world. Right. Yeah. And now that I get to choose everything that I create... Now I don't hate it anymore at all. Now I'm like, oh, this is so different because yeah. now then, I'm the creator yeah. of my life. I think stereotypically people are like, at least when you think about it as an outsider, it's one thing. Yeah. And that's it. And then you can be like, oh, well, it can be whatever it needs to be. Right. Uh, whatever somebody's willing to turn it into. Yeah. That makes sense. I'm excited because I, I love this, all of this. 
And I think we're still in its infant stage where it's just going to continue to grow. It's going to continue to change the world. And it's, it's incredible to be at the ground level. I mean, I'm at the ground level because I'm way out of the community also. But I, I know that you're very involved and there's tons of stuff and movement happening. Uh, it's exciting. I'm, I'm very excited to see what's next. Again, I appreciate you so much for taking the time. Let's end it on that, man. That's amazing. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm very yes. grateful. Well, love you, friend. Love you, too. Thank you so much for checking out this episode. It means the absolute world to me. If you feel so inclined, please subscribe. Uh, that already meant the world to me that you listened to it. But that would be even dub- double world. I don't know, but thank you so much. We'll see you next time.